Well, let's uh, move quickly through that first part of our gospel today. Because that first part of the gospel, if you remember, talks about those who are wearing fancy and long robes and say lots of long prayers. They are justly condemned. And since Deacon Paul and I are only ones up here with these fancy robes, let's, uh, let's move on to the other part of our gospel. That part of the gospel talks about the widow who gives all of her livelihood into the temple. You might be happy to hear that I do not think that this message of our scripture readings this weekend is that we should give all of our money to the church. We have all probably heard or heard about unscrupulous televangelists who quote passages like we hear today to justify asking people to give till it hurts, they say, or to not give from your surplus, but to give it all, like our poor widow in our gospel today, or like the widow of Zarephath in our first reading. They might use passages like this to justify their request and quickly follow up with its reassurances that God will bless and reward those who give so generously. And the widow in the temple is extolled by Jesus as an example, and the widow of Zarephath's jars of oil and flour do not run dry. In fact, this is a creedal point. It's a fundamental tenet and teaching of the false prosperity gospel. It says this, if you give, the Lord, give to the Lord, or more specifically to the preacher, you will be blessed. In fact, it goes on to say that the more money you give, the more blessed you will be. But let me point out something that's right there in our scriptures, that neither, this, neither widow in our readings today is blessed with material wealth or prosperity. In fact, you and I are left wondering at the end of our gospel, as this woman puts in her whole livelihood, as to how is she going to have enough money to eat the next day. The widow of Zarephath, who gives her flour and oil the last seemingly remaining bit to the prophet Elijah, does still continue to have enough oil and, water, oil and flour for her and her son, but she is literally just scraping by. She's not eating birthday cake and filet mignon for that year in which this miracle is granted to her. They still have just barely enough, a daily small and simple hearth cake for them to live on for that year. No, the Lord is not saying that if you heroically give, you will be blessed automatically in this world with material blessings. You will be blessed with cures from illnesses and all of a sudden happiness will descend upon your family. He does not promise future and uh, fortune and fame for the faithful. In fact, a close reading of our scriptures in the whole context of the Bible seems to reveal the fact that he promises what? The cross. And that his faithful disciples will carry it. But they will carry it through this world onto the glories of heaven. Amen. Amen. So while collections are down, and the pandemic continues to keep people from filling our beautiful church, I'm going to resist the temptation to make this another stewardship talk. Because it's not about that. I believe the readings speak to us today about something more important than money. They talk to us about priorities. They follow last week's readings. You remember last week when we were reminded of the great commandment, which is really two commandments in one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the priority for God. And so how do we live according to those priorities of these great commandments? St. Mother Teresa might help us out. She gave a great way, I think, to remember what our priorities should be. She said that if you want to experience joy in life, then you have to look at joy as a sort of acronym, that each letter in that word stands for something. The J stands for Jesus, the O stands for others, and the Y means yourself. If you desire to live in joy, you live your priorities in that order. Jesus, others, and yourself. When are we most tempted to get these priorities out of whack? When are we most tempted to sometimes bring that you all the, or the why all the way up into the first place? When life gets difficult, when frustrations mount, when we are overwhelmed. My friends, the devil does not play fair. He waits for moments like this. He does his best work when we are filled with anxiety and worry, when we are anxious, when we aren't feeling well, when we are unhappy at work or have lost our jobs, when there is tension in the family or broken relationships, when we are wondering how are we going to get by and pay our bills or if we might lose our home. And these are not times, I think, to give more to the collection in some superstitious way, thinking that God will bless me if I do so. This is not the time to ask, what more can I give to the church? But rather, what more can the church give to me in these times? These are moments to lean into our faith, to say, what does my faith offer me? How will it sustain me in these times? And yes, we do have resources that can help parishioners in times of need. We have a beautiful community that continues time after time again to rise up and help our parishioners, our brothers and sisters in the neighborhood to help them through difficult times. In fact, we are already in putting together a team, Blessed Sacrament and St. Matthew's with the amazing help of the Immigration and Service Out Outreach and Service uh, Committee to, or uh, Center uh, to help Afghanistan refugees. Hopefully by the end of this month, we'll have up to maybe three Afghanistan refugees that we're going to welcome as a team and support them in their transition to their new life in the shores of America. <laughs> Father Joe called me the other day and he said, man, I'm sending you a check. I said, thank you, Father Joe. Keep it coming. And he said, no, this check is special. He said he told me a beautiful story that maybe some of you might remember. Four or five years ago, there was an immigrant that came to our shores and with his family and was being threatened with deportation and had to put up a bond to be able to stay here in our country, a bond that would cement the fact that he would live as an upstanding member of our society and, and do the best that he can. And sure enough, after four or five years, he fulfilled that bond, and that's coming back to us. Our generosity towards another is coming right back to us. Praise the Lord, as Father Joe would say. But again, this is not about money or material things. This is about remembering what are our priorities. And I think today in our gospel, it is just as amazing that this widow is even at the temple praying as it is that she gave her last two cents. 
It would be an easy excuse for her, for you and for I as well, wouldn't it be, with everything else going on in her life, to skip the services, to get our priorities mixed up and to put ourselves first, to, to look around at all of her troubles and ask, why should I go to the temple? Before she even got up to put that money in the collection, she had already given to the Lord God the most precious gift that she could offer. You know what that is? It is her time. For this is truly the most precious gift that any of us can ever give. Unlike our bank accounts, time cannot be replenished. It cannot be added to. It cannot be made more. It is always diminishing. In fact, if you want to examine your priorities in life, you need only ask yourself one question. How do I spend my time? How do I spend my most precious resource? And as uncomfortable as it might be, how you use this precious gift of time is how we can tell what is most precious to us. This is why time can also be spelled L-O-V-E. Time equals love. If you want to know what you love or what you present as loving, just look at how much time you spend doing something. And look, I need to confess right now to you, I'm preaching to myself. In fact, I've started realizing that being overwhelmed as, as being the pastor here and at this beautiful pastorate and thinking, man, I can't be, I'm not, I'm no good. What am I doing? I can't figure this out. I'm just overwhelmed at times and frustrated with my own weaknesses and struggles. And so I find myself at the end of the day when everything is finally finished, hunkering down like a zombie in front of the TV, just flipping through, watching stuff, staying up late at night. And I'm like, this is no good for me. And I told my spiritual director that, and he said, uh, hey, do you love TV? I said, no. And I said, well, it sure seems like you do, how much time you're spending there. You got to look at your priorities, Matt. You got to take an examination and, and say, are you living according to these principles of Jesus, others, and you? And so that's what I'd like to do today is to look for all of us at how we are living out these priorities and how we can do a better job. Jesus first. And how do we make Jesus our priority? It's fairly easy. This means prayer. Making sure that we pray. You and I cannot ever let a day go by that we do not pray. And you know, so often, one of the first excuses that maybe is already in your heart, and I know is often in mine, is I am too busy to pray. Well, Father Jacques Philippe is a great spiritual writer. He has a great quote that I love. He says that no one in the history of the world has ever starved to death because they said, I am too busy to eat. Well, if you are not too busy to eat because you've got to feed your body and make stay alive, guess what feeds your soul? Guess what makes your face strong? It has to be prayer. Prayer is the breath that we breathe, and if you hold your breath for long, you will pass out. If you do not pray, your soul will starve, our faith will weaken. Faith is that essential to us. It is as essential as the food that we eat, as the breath that we breathe. The great spiritual master, St. Francis de Sales, told a story once about one of his religious brothers who came up to him, and they were challenged to pray one hour a day. And this man came up and said, Father Francis, I, I can't pray one hour. I'm too busy. And St. Francis looked at him and said, I understand, my brother. If you're too busy to pray for one hour, 
then I think it's time that you start praying too. You see, a problem does arise that we cannot spend all most of our day praying, right? We're not, we're not monks. We're not cloistered nuns. We have business to do. We got work to do. We got families to take care of. We got all kinds of things that demand of our time. So it is very true that, that we cannot spend hours and hours and hours upon every day praying. But that's okay. Because here are some ways to help us to make sure that we put Jesus a priority in our prayer. And the first is this. Don't give to God the dregs of your day. Don't give to God the leftovers. Don't give God the time that now is not being used. You're just bored and don't have anything else to do. So, okay, I guess I'll fall back into prayer. No, give to Jesus the first cuts. Give to Jesus the first fruits. Give to Jesus as a top priority means to give him the very best parts of your day. For some of us, that might mean the morning. For me, it must be after my first cup of coffee because if I gave the Lord just when I woke up, all he'd get is grunts and groans. But after that cup of coffee and I'm a little bit more alert, that is a great time to pray. For some of us, it might be in the evening. And I'm not talking about the end of the evening when you're just staggering to bed, barely able to keep your eyes open and you grumble out some prayer as you flop into bed. That's not the best time to pray. I'm talking about the time of the day at the end when you're still alert and awake and you're able to truly pray. Maybe some of us can give the middle of the day, those moments in which we are at most at our peak, to carve out some time in the middle of our day is a wonderful gift that you can give to the Lord and show that you are my top priority, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, another way to do this is making sure that before you sit down in front of the TV or the computer at the end of the day, you can ask yourself, have I prayed today? And if the answer is no, for goodness sakes, take five minutes right then and there to talk with God. Another way to make God your priority and Jesus and prayer your priority in your life is to inject little prayers throughout your entire day. Pray before every meal. I mean every meal, every little bit that we have, and especially if you're in a restaurant. What a great witness that is. Pray before you drive when you get in your car and pray when you arrive that you've reached safely. Whenever the thought comes into your mind to pray for someone or just be inspired to pray, just say a quick and spontaneous prayer. It can be as simple as, Lord, help me. Praise you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Or help this person out, Lord. That's all we need to do. Those little spontaneous prayers add up throughout the day. And again, rings clear that Jesus is my priority and he has my heart. Another obstacle we often hear is some people say, I don't know how to pray. This is a legitimate thing that we should really work on. Our churches should be schools of prayer. We've got the synod and we've got Christmas coming up. We've got all kinds of stuff. But I promise to you that we need to make sure that we are a school of prayer where we can have opportunities to help each other learn different methods of prayer, different spiritualities, and we will make sure that we do that. You can call me anytime. You can call Deacon Paul and any of our amazing prayers in this beautiful church, and, and we'll help. But, but really, here's the other thing. You can't do it wrong. You know, if you've got love in your heart for the Lord and you want to talk to him, guess what? You are not going to mess that up. That's going to be prayer better than anything I could ever say to you. So just pray. Just pray. The next priority is others. 
How do we live this big priority in our lives? Have you ever noticed how insidious and diabolical it is that there are so many things in our world today that want to do one thing, to isolate us? They want to set us apart. They want to kind of help us to escape into our own little world, to our own screens. There's even this guy talking about a metaverse, a virtual world where we just go through virtual reality and live life there. Come on, man. Our entertainment is sucking us dry. It is forcing us to kind of just enter into just this one-on-one -on -one relationship, not with a human person, but a, a digital screen. You know, I often think things like, why do we go to our first dates often? How many of us, we say, let's go to a movie. I never understood that. Let's go to a darkened room. Well, maybe I can understand the darkened room part, but we, we go to a darkened room and we just sit there and watch this big screen for two hours. What did I learn about this person? How did I interact with them? How did we relate? And how did we share life together? No, we were just kind of captured by CGI and all these entertainment thrust upon us through these screens. We ingrain, we engage with this screen and they capture us. You know, there's more and more information out there. We've all heard it probably in the news the last few weeks. The social media is engineered by supercomputers with algorithms that know sometimes us more than we might even know ourselves and they keep us engaged in it. Their goal is to sell advertisements to keep you in there. It's not so much that you're connecting with others but that you are connecting with this, with this screen, not with each other. So my brothers and sisters, we've got to break free. We've got to connect with others. Sometimes this can happen around things like sporting events. Uh, watching the Ravens whoop up on the Vikings today would be a great thing to do. We can support theater and concerts. You know, these arts are dying. And here we have entertainment that is right there in front of us, flesh and blood, other people performing beautiful acts of drama or music for us to enjoy with others. Whatever happened to playing cards? You know, I, I, if you know how to play euchre or cribbage, please call me. I'm desperate for somebody to, to do those kind of things with, to play board games together, all of these things, to share a meal together. There's nothing more human and healthy than sharing a meal together with family and friends. And speaking of share a meal, and Roberta's not paying me to say this, but we've got to make sure that we serve one another. The greatest way that we can make others a priority in our life is to make sure that we are men and women of service towards others. And as soon as COVID gets kind of moving on, let it go, please, Lord. Uh, we, we need to start up again our share a meal service, this beautiful opportunity that Blessed Sacrament offers to our neighborhood to bring people together for a family meal and to share communion with each other. One other way that you can be connected and, and make others your priority is to give your most precious resource time to your church, to volunteer at church. I've never met someone, a pastor or anyone who doesn't want more volunteers in church. And there is a whole plethora of things that you could do. Everything from anything liturgically that you would like to do. You could join a committee. Heck, you could start a new committee. We will do anything to make sure people get involved. We need people to help with our youth and our young adults. 
We need people to be catechists. We need people to, to be part of the, the share a meal or the, or the clothing drive that we're going to have next Saturday we, or this coming Saturday. We've got all kinds of things and more opportunities if we had more volunteers. So getting involved in church is a way that you can say, others are my priority. It's not just about what I want to do. I am serving and I'm helping others. I'm connecting with others. Amen? Amen. All right. Now what about you? <laughs> You are also a priority. You are an important priority. And there are obvious things that we need to do for ourselves, right? And you don't need me to preach about it. Things like getting rest, eating well, making sure that we get some exercise in. Uh, you don't need me to tell you about that. But, but you also, we need some me time. There is moments in which we need to kind of huddle down with a, a good book or something and, and take some time, especially me. I'm an introvert, and I know there's other introverts out there that, hey, we need to recharge our batteries every once in a while. But here's the amazing thing that I've discovered, is that if you are prioritizing Jesus, and if you are prioritizing others in your life, you will find true joy. No fortune or fame. I'm not promising you the elimination of all of your problems. They will still be there. Yet, in them you will still find joy. You will find peace. You will find hope. This is what our faith offers us and a life ordered to these priorities of joy. We know and find out when we live for Jesus and others that we are not alone. That Jesus and others will help us to carry our crosses and that we will help to carry others' crosses as well. You see, in this way, we become a family of faith. We become a faith family, which is what a parish is meant to be. And just like joy stands for something, Jesus, others, and you, you've heard me preach before that family stands for something. It means forget about me, I love you. That's how families are formed. That's how families are strong, when we forget about ourselves and we love the other. When we live for Jesus, when we live for others, you and I, we're taken care of because we're part of others that are saying the same thing to us and that are helping us along the way as well. It's a mutual blessing for everyone involved, and we are filled with joy. For in loving God and loving others, we find joy and hope. And we hear others remind us of the fundamental truth of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. The false gospel of the prosperity gospel, it tries to say that you're only valuable by what you, can, what you give in the collection, what you do, and those things. That's how you are blessed. That's how you are loved. But that's not true. The fundamental truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is you are loved. No matter what, you are loved. You are loved. Amen. 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 <laughs>